0: Listening to a message from Park Springs Bible Church, located in Arlington, Texas, where we discover life in the power of God's grace and share His life-changing grace with others. Join us as we hear from the Word. Well, good morning. It's good uh, to see you and to be with you and to just bring the of God this morning. Uh, we will be uh, continuing on in our series that we just kind of set up with that little video. And if you have been following along the weeks, you might know where we are landing this morning. But if not, uh, I can fill you in. Uh, we will be talking about how uh, God calls us, if we have been changed by Jesus, to engage in the world around us. So the little question we posed was how can I make an impact for Jesus? In this world. And maybe you have not thought about your life in terms of the impact you can have in the world around you, but I would encourage you to think in that regard. It kind of reminds me of what uh, the Apostle Paul said in Romans that he used this phrase that he said for himself that he made it his ambition to preach the gospel where the gospel had not been named. And so we don't bring that into church too often, but I think it is an interesting choice of words that Paul used there that he actually had this. Ambition, And sometimes we can kind of vilify that word because we think of it selfishly. But he had this, uh, you could say maybe a holy ambition that God had placed in his life, in his heart. He wanted to make an impact in the world around him for the Lord. And I hope we do have that. And if you don't have that currently resting on your heart, maybe we can spark a, a flame in there this morning to think about maybe the way God has uh, called you to engage in the world Around you. And so it, it might be interesting kind of using that word, uh, the world, because that's kind of a, a big connotation, but it is the way we should think about this reality that we live in and our lives and the impact they will have. If you've uh, spent time in in the Bible, uh, you might notice that sometimes uh, the use of the word, the world, is kind of used in different contexts and settings and with a different connotation. And so sometimes it is used in in a positive light. Um, If you think about, you know, John 3.16, one of the things that Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So it's used positively often when it is referring to people. People inhabit the world. So when we do talk about the world, we're talking about uh, the living creatures God has uh, put on this planet. And so that is a positive thing. God loves his creation. God loves people. God desires that all people would come to a saving knowledge of him. And so in some ways, when we talk about the world, there is this very positive connotation that God loves People, but then if you do read uh, the scriptures, sometimes the world is used kind of more in a negative light. Sometimes it's uh, kind of interchangeable with this idea of the flesh, and so you do get some other passages in the Bible that uh, speak about the world kind of in a different way. Um, Ephesians two, the Apostle Paul says this in verse one and two: it "says You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince." of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Uh, The Apostle John said this in 1 John chapter 2, says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And then finally, uh, Paul says this also about the world in Romans chapter 12. He says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. And, perfect. and I think that needs to be stated up front when we are talking about how do we engage in the world. There are these two images that are given within the scriptures. One, sometimes it refers to people and the creation that God loves. But also we get this other image, this other connotation with that word that the world is used often in contrast to the things of God. It refers to kind of our brokenness and our rebelliousness against the things of the Father. And so it does have this negative connotation. That's why, uh, you know, just as we read, uh, John says, you know, don't love the things of this world that those are sometimes in contrast to the things of God, what God would call us to. In Ephesians talks about the spirit of this world, you know, the things that are against God, that rebellious nature we have. And I think we would probably feel those two tensions within ourselves, even if we don't think about it in that regard, that we do know like God calls us uh, to love those around us, to love our neighbor as ourself. We are called two people. We are a sent out one of God. But then we also look at the world and we can see just if, you know, pick any day you wanna turn on the news and the world is not godly. And so we probably feel that conflict within us and understand that there is that tension when we're talking about how do we engage in this world? How can I make an impact for Jesus in this world? We probably have some negative feelings about the world around us. And I know for myself, uh, you know, I I like reading history, and so I I can recognize that the world has always felt a little bit crazy, and there's a lot of ups and downs through the course of history, Uh, but I would say right now, I I know these past couple years, I've really just kind of struggled with some angst and just uh, a feeling of disquiet in my soul about what is going on in the world around me. So once again, craziness is not new to the span of human existence in this world. You know, we have had world wars. We have had ups and downs. If you just read our, uh, the narrative of humanity, it has been filled with a level of craziness. But I would say, uh, these past, specifically these past two years have had just kind of a rapid onset of changes that have left me um, just with this feeling of disquiet in my soul, about the just craziness I see around me and has made me feel unsettled. And it has also made me ask the question like, okay, God, with the craziness I am seeing around me, like how are you calling me to engage in that as a follower of Jesus? And so we would all probably recognize it. Um, let's Let's just take the past two years. Like none of us saw 2020 coming, none of us. And so, I mean, we, let's just say it out loud. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, but if, I, I, if I'm just thinking, and I did, like the past two years, what have been things that have just like made me feel unsettled about my place in this world and also about my future? Uh, COVID was definitely a big part of it. And just the unknowns, uh, the changes that swept into our country, into the world. And if you think back to the summer of 2020, With the death of George George Floyd and just the mood and the atmosphere that changed within our country, the protests that took place, all of the different changes. And I know I've felt some just um, unsettledness in my heart about my role as a follower of Jesus with all the things that have happened in our country. And then you think about January 6th. That was a moment of disquiet for me, seeing those images and what are the implications for us as a people I think about the withdrawal from Afghanistan and those news stories I saw and those images that left me just feeling heartache and disquiet in my soul about the state of the world. We have the economic turmoil and troubles we are going through with inflation and the different ways that is adding stressors to our life. We have Russia invading Ukraine and kicking off a war in Europe. It causes a lot of inner turmoil for me. And I do see that negative aspect of what the Bible portrays as the world, the rebelliousness, the turning against God, the things that we aren't supposed to love and place our hope in. In a lot of ways, I've felt that inner angst about, okay, how am I supposed to live out my faith when the world feels crazy? How has God called me to engage in that craziness? And how can I make an impact for Jesus in the world around me? Um, uh, We're going to be spending some time today in John chapter 17. So if you have a copy of God's word, go ahead and turn there. And we're not going to use the entirety of the passage. It is quite a long passage, and it's a really beautiful passage. It's one that we term the high priestly prayer. And I hope you've read through it. If not, it would be a good thing to read through in its entirety um, sometime this week. But in essence, we have this recorded prayer of Jesus speaking to God the Father, and it covers a lot of different things, but I think there's some specific things that God has for us this morning in regards to how um, we are called as a people to be engaged in the world around us. So if you would, uh, look, we're going to look in verse 14. And it is kind of jumping into the middle, but there's some specific things I want to touch on in what Jesus prays to the Father because it has to do with my life and it has to do with your life. This is what Jesus prays to the Father about those who follow him. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, Uh, I love those words right there because it does give me some direction for the disquiet I feel in my heart. For one way, uh, Jesus describes the reality that we are living in. You know, he talks about it, that um, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there is going to be this tension within my soul because the things of the God and the things of the world are not the same. So he's describing that, that, hey, if you are following me, uh, I've sent you into this world, and you might be hated on some regards for that because the things of God and the things of the world are different. But one of the things that is very clear that Jesus states right here That we are not of this world, but look at verse 15. This is what he says, and because I want to focus on that this morning. He says this to the Father. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. God is not removing us from the craziness of the world around us. And so we are called to be within these times, like they are not a surprise to God. He has not been caught off guard by the past two years, and he knew all the spans of our life, and he knew we were going to be living within these times. And so we are not some exception to the words of the Bible, the words of Jesus, that God has not, is not going to remove us from these times, but he calls us to be faithful within these times. And so we should ask ourselves the question, how then are we supposed to engage in this world that is clearly at odds with God, that has a level of craziness, that gives us all um, anxiety and stress thinking about the different things going on. How are we supposed to actually engage in the world? And so I would say uh, by nature, uh, I typically see two errors when it comes to us being present and having to live through trying times. And so the first one would be to withdraw. And so hopefully we can already see that that is an error, but that is going to be an instinct when we see the craziness around us, we're going to have a pool in us to be like, I just want to separate myself from that. And so, you know, you've seen this throughout Christians in history, that sometimes even when things aren't as crazy as they can be, we have this instinct of like, okay, I see what the world is doing over there, and I don't like that, so I'm going to pull all of my resources, all of my family, all of my friends, and we're going to get over in this corner, and we're just going to do our little Jesus thing over here here, and y'all can do whatever y'all want, just leave us alone. We have this instinct to pull away from the world, to withdraw from it. Uh, The kind of term used back in the day I remember hearing growing up was the idea of the holy huddle, and I've even been in some churches like that that's like, hey, we don't want sinners coming into our church because it's going to mess up this thing we've got going on. It never ends well, and it's not a biblical idea, but that is one of the things we're going to have to wrestle against when we're thinking about what's going on in the world around us. There is going to be this pull to just withdraw from it. Like, we don't want any part of that. The world can all go to hell over here. We're just going to do our Jesus thing over on this side. So that's one of the errors when it comes to engaging in the world is to attempt to just not do it at all. But I would say the second error we can go to is uh, not withdrawing from the world, but trying to dominate the world. You know, that can be, it's kind of like we all have that fight or flight instinct and some of us are gonna have that flight instinct, but on the other side of that coin might be the instinct to fight. Like, okay, I see the craziness, I don't like it. I'm gonna attempt to reshape the world in the image I want it to be. Uh, The pastor, uh, Tim Keller, he was interviewed by the Atlantic uh, magazine uh, back in 2019. They did this profile on him, and he had some really excellent quotes from it. Uh, At one point, they asked him about uh, Donald Trump's 2016 presidential election and the support he received from a lot of evangelical Christians. And this is uh, what Tim Keller said in response to their uh, question. He said this. He said, unlike a generation ago, Many evangelicals are not looking to turn the culture back to God. Now they are looking for a protector, a champion. But both of these strategies are wrong. Both of them are about power and saying, how are we going to use the power we have to live the life the way we want? And I think that does touch on that instinct we have. If we're looking at the world around us and we don't like what's going on, we might have this instinct of like, okay, I need to change it, shape it, do what I can to force it into the image that I would like it to be. We are going to um, have that pull towards, um, maybe we need to dominate the world around us. Maybe we need to change it. The world's broken. I'm going to fix it. And I would say with both of these strategies... What can be deceptive about them is that both of them can appear and feel spiritual. So if you think about the verses we just read in 1 John chapter 2, hey, we're not supposed to love the world, the things of the world, that could play into that human notion like, okay, I'm just going to move away from the world. You know, uh, James, uh, the Apostle James in James uh, chapter 1 talks about keeping yourself unstained from the world. It could play into this idea like, okay, I just need uh, my Jesus and my friends, and we're going to do our thing, and the rest of the people can make their dumb decisions over there. It can play into that. It can feel spiritual. It can feel holy to this idea of withdrawal, to be more faithful over here. And also the idea of um, maybe imposing our will on the world. If we see the destructiveness of the godlessness around us, If we see the damage it does to our world, to our country, the potential harm it can do to our family, it can make us want to take some form of action. In fact, it's often in here we talk about the reality that the world we live in is in a spiritual war. And so you might ask yourself the question, like what is the problem with trying to dominate or impose our will or bring about Christian change in the world around us? And I would just say this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. And the Apostle James also said in James chapter 1 that human anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And the Apostle John said in the book of Revelations that the way we do conquer as Christians, the way we defeat the enemy, is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we might have this instinct that we are supposed to engage in the world around us, but we have to be very careful with the way we actually approach that endeavor because most of the instincts we will have towards engagement are to seek out positions of power to impose our point of view on the world around us. And followers of Jesus should always be very wary when it comes to ideas of power or positions of prominence. If you can think with me to what Jesus said to his disciples when two of them came to him and asked for positions of prominence in his kingdom, this is what Jesus said to them. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that is the position we are supposed to take. And that's what Jesus says right there in John 17. If you look back at verse 18, he makes this statement. He says to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I send them. It goes back to our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, or as we talked about last week, being the church. It means being a called out one or a sent one, that God has a purpose, a plan, and a mission, and he has uh, entrusted us with that idea, and he has sent us out into the world around us. We are supposed to take the position of a sent out person, which is why we're even asking the question, how are we supposed to engage in the world around us? Because we are supposed to engage in the world around us. This is how Jesus Jesus says it a couple of different times in Scripture. Matthew 28 verse 19 says to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 5 verse 14 through 16, Jesus says to his followers, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are not called to withdraw from the world. We are not called to try to dominate the world around us. If you would continue looking in John 17, right after uh, Jesus makes the statement in verse 19, that for their sake, talking to us, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. And this is what verse 20 says. I do not ask for these only, But also for those who will believe in me through their word. One of the reasons God has left us, or sent us, or called us to continue to be in this world, to not withdraw, to not dominate, is because the word of our testimony is going to lead others to Jesus Christ that he has sanctified us. He has called us to himself. He has um, made us set apart for him so that as we engage in the world around us, people are going to see our lives, see our testimony of the good things of Jesus Christ, and that will lead others to placing their faith in him. A little bit later in that article, Tim Keller said this, and uh, once again, I just find it very helpful for us in this moment. This is what he said. He said, the proper cultural strategy is faithful presence within. Not pulling away from the culture and not trying to take it over. Faithful presence within means being faithful. It means we're not going to assimilate. We're going to be distinctively Christian. It's about an attitude of service, uncompromising in our beliefs, but not withdrawing and not trying to dominate. And I just love the way he positions that. And so if we are asking ourselves the question, how can we have an impact on the world for Jesus. We have so many clues within the scriptures. And so I love that Jesus praised that in his prayer, that he has given us his word, which is also himself, and we are to be sanctified in that truth and set apart for him. So we do have to go back to uh, the word on this regard on how are we supposed to engage. And so one of these pictures you get recurring throughout both the Old and New Testament is how we are supposed to actually view ourselves In the world. And so uh, the Apostle Peter, he said in his letter in 1 Peter, he encouraged uh, the people he was writing to, and he uses this term as exiles and aliens. And this, this is this image that would uh, evoke a response for the Jewish people. And in fact, you might notice that a lot of uh, the New Testament letters, uh, usually there's this line or word that's often at the beginning. It might say to the scattered ones, to the dispersion, or to the diaspora. And it's this reality that the ethnically Jewish people were not in their homeland, but were scattered all throughout The world. And so that was like a literal geographic reality, but it also is a thematic reality that you get throughout the scriptures, that the people of God are a scattered people. And so because of that, that's part of the instruction for how we are supposed to view the world, that this is not our ultimate home. And so how are we supposed to live faithfully present within what God has called us to is to take the mentality of being an exile. And so it's supposed to make us think back to some of the Old Testament stories that you know. So if you think about like the book of Daniel, You know Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego—they're taken out of their land and they're placed in a hostile environment that is not conducive to living for the God that they serve. But because of their faithfulness in those circumstances, they're actually elevated to positions of prominence. So much so that eventually it's going to cause some tension because the culture they are living in is worshiping other things other than the one true God. And so inevitably, it's going to hit this breaking point where you can't both uh, be a part of culture and worship the one true God. And what do they do in that moment? They choose. God they say you know what do with us what you want We're going to be faithful to God. And so I love the story of Daniel, how he continues to be faithful, uncompromising in truth, but not trying to take over the world around him. He's just going to do whatever God lays in front of him and be faithful to him alone. And God continues to elevate him in those positions and give him influence so he can point back to the God that he serves. For why? So he interprets the dreams for the king. He does these different acts that help benefit the people around him. And at the same time, he is so faithful that he prays every single day, three times a day, and people know it and they try to use that to, Uh, bring about his downfall, but God continues to deliver him. So we know these stories about how uh, the people of God have been called to live in adverse cultures. And all throughout that is that image of faithful presence within. They don't withdraw. They don't try to take it over. They're faithfully present within. And so we also, even in this day, need to have that same mentality that my citizenship, my ultimate goal, my home is in heaven with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the time I spend here on this earth is for a purpose and a reason to let my light shine before others that they may see my good deeds and give glory to my Father who is in heaven. We are all called to live as aliens and exiles. And I know some of the um, just internal disquiet I feel when the world around me is a little out of control, some of it is because I still view this as my home. And when I view this as my home, it's going to um, uh, create um, just distress in my life when I see the brokenness of the world intrude into my sanctuary and the, the type of life I want to live and push against the, my areas of security and comfort that should be placed in Jesus Christ alone. And so I, I do want you to look, um, once again, carrying on this idea that we're supposed to be strangers and exiles. Look at the book of Jeremiah, if you would. Jeremiah chapter 29. We're not going to read verse 11. But it's the same story that's being carried out in Jeremiah, that the people of God have been carried into exile. They are living in a culture that is not designed to help them follow the one true God. And Jeremiah uh, just gives some wonderful words of advice spoken to him from God to the people of God of how they should live Being faithfully present in the world, even though the world does not recognize the one true God. Starting in verse 4, it says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. I love that image of how we are supposed to live in the world, not assimilating into it, but being distinctively Christian. And so how can I make an impact on the world for Jesus? Live a life worthy of the gospel to which you have been called. We need to be distinctively Christian in the world around us. People need to see Christian acts of service. People need to see Christian marriages. People need to see Christian parenting and generosity and Christian friendships and Christian hospitality, Christian forgiveness, being Christian neighbors, showing Christian encouragement and kindness, showing Christian purity in all that we do, Christian work ethic, Christian's ability to rest. People need to see a Christian love for Christ. People need to see Christians suffer with hope placed on Jesus. We are supposed to be distinctively followers of Jesus, not withdrawn from the world, but faithfully present within it. We're not supposed to look like the world. You know, those were all those verses on that negative aspect of how the Bible portrays the world. We we are supposed to look different, So you think about how Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount of you've heard it said, but I say, when he talked about, you know, you've heard it said, um, all the different aspects of that. You think about, you know, being struck on the cheek and Jesus says, hey, turn the other cheek. Your neighbor wants you to go with you one mile, go with them two miles. We are supposed to be distinctively Christian and unfortunately we don't always look very different than the world. And so if you are asking yourself this day, how can you make an impact on the world for Jesus? You need to realize that we are supposed to be a living picture to the world of the goodness that Jesus offers to us in relationship. And so our lives should have a flavor. Uh, You know, the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians that to some the gospel is an aroma of life. And that's how we should be in the world around us. Like people should want to be around you. If you are living like Jesus lived, yes, there will be some contradictions, and yes, there will be some stances we have to take on truth that are gonna be unpopular, but overall, like who wouldn't want to be a neighbor with the love and kindness of Jesus? Who wouldn't want to be a coworker with somebody who is always honest and always willing to go the extra mile on other people's behalf? We are supposed to be distinctively Christian because of what Jesus has done for us. And so I would say this, brothers and sisters in Christ. That as you look at the craziness of the world, what we have to constantly remind ourselves is that we need to look away from the world and set our eyes on Jesus. That if we want to make an impact, and I hope that you do, and that we have that desire to um, have moments of meaning in, in things we get to step into because of God, the way we are going to be able to accomplish that is when we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter Of our faith, who for the joy set before him went to the cross. And so that we may also die to ourselves and care about the world around us, not seeking to control it, but just being faithfully present within it, because that's what Jesus did. And we can see that through his life, that he did not compromise on truth, he did not compromise on kindness, and ultimately the world killed him. But through that selfless act, God used what man meant for evil to bring about good for all of us. And that is the example we are supposed to follow. And that is how we do engage in this world. And those are reminders I need and you need because we are gonna have those instincts to pull away or to attack, but that's not the path of Jesus. The path of Jesus is to be faithfully present, faithfully a follower, faithfully husbands, faithfully wives, brothers, sisters, children, parents, coworkers, neighbors, to be faithful in those areas so that the world will be able to see us and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Would you pray with me?